Hello and welcome to this Life Changes podcast. You are now listening to one of our Sunday messages. If you'd like to know more about Life Changes, you can visit us on Facebook, Twitter or Instagram. Now lean in and enjoy. But knowing that we've got this day here and I believe Daniel gives us a playbook of how we're supposed to approach this moment that we call life. This plus minus 70 years you and I are given. Here are two responses the church traditionally falls into. They say, actually, the world is bad. The culture is dark. The world is evil. Hear no evil. See no evil. Speak no evil. So we abandon the culture. We create communities like a bomb shelter, and we send angry Facebook statuses and tweets at the world saying, that's sin. You need to be angry. And the angrier our status proves our godliness. You know, you know that uh, maybe you fall down at yourself. Feel no rebuke, but maybe. But abandoning the culture, we just actually abandon it. Let's, let's, we don't want to, the world is evil, it's going to burn, we're going to hunker down, sing Kumbaya, and wait till Jesus comes back. Abandon it. On the other side, there's this other era that gives the church respond this way. They say, actually, assimilate with the culture. Beat her like a mirror, you know, just blend in, don't cause a stir, you know, just eat what they eat, watch what they watch, tell the jokes that they tell, look no different. Because then maybe you'll get opportunities to speak sometime down the road. So just assimilate. <coughs> we believe from this book, Daniel, and as we preach it, that, that actually we're given a third option. Not just to abandon, not to assimilate, but we call to affect culture. We call to affect the world that we live in, the environments that we live in. We call to not just endure it, but to influence it. Jesus says this way, he says, you are the salt of the earth, you're the light of the world. He says, you're a city on a hill that cannot be hidden. He actually calls us not to retreat. He doesn't call us to go and just jump. And he says, be distinctive, but make sure that you're in there. You're of the world. You're in the world, but not of it. It's a phrase that's banded around, but we want to understand what does it actually mean to be in the world, affecting, but being the salt and light that Jesus has called us to be. Is that all right? Everyone happy with that? One baby. Good. Let's move on. Thank you. So this is the whole emphasis of the series. If that old preface lost you, this is the one line of what we're trying to achieve in the next four weeks, is how do we have a faith that stands when everyone else is bolting from or bowing to the culture? How do we have a faith that stands in the middle and says, actually, we won't bolt, we won't bow, we'll stand for what God has called us to? And this is what I want to achieve this morning, a simple, simple task. I want to help us understand from this text and the grand narrative of Scripture, how do we, how do we say no when it'll be easier to go with the flow? That's what I wanted to achieve this morning. How do we say no when it'll be easier to go with the flow? Let's do it. This morning, two points from this text. I want to put it in our diet to help us understand this, and hopefully this language will, will cultivate a better response for us in moments of trial and chaos. <coughs> from this understanding, we need to know num- two things. Number one, from this scripture and the narrative of scripture, is that you are called. For us to just be able to say no, when it'll be easier to go with the flow. We have to know that you are called. I hope you notice that the first thing the enemy does in Babylon, they take this nation into captivity. They call the four, Daniel and his mate, three mates. And the first thing the enemy does is rename them. He renames them. He gives them new identities. And this is the oldest trick in the book. This is not something Babylon thought of. Every nation in the history books, the annals of the history books, we see every conquering kingdom that goes and advances and usurps the authority of another kingdom and takes them captive. The first thing they do is change everyone's names to the language of the day, the culture of the day. Why? Because they knew that if we can get them to believe something different about who they are, then they'll behave more like us. 
They didn't come and say, you must do this. They come and say, actually, this is who you are. They go, the enemy goes after identity because, no, then it'll distort behavior. Let me, let me help us understand this. The four names that I, I just find, this is fascinating. Are you ready for this? This is good. Daniel, his name in the, in the, the Hebrew note names means God is my judge. So he was named by God, named by his forefathers to be a man of integrity, of stature. God is my d- judge who knew right and wrong and was going to stand and be a, a, a plumb line in the community. He gets to Babylon. They say, you're no longer Daniel, my buddy. You're going to be called, he has a new, new ID book, Belteshazzar, which not a great popular name. I'll tell you why. Because that name actually means Lady Protector of the King. And we, we chuckle awkwardly, but that is exactly what the enemy does. The enemy goes after his sexuality, his identity, and says, you think you're going to be a pillar? Well, actually, you're just a Lady Protector of the King. Has the culture changed? Still going after our sexuality and calling it into question and calling and putting chaos on these stories. Secondly, Hananiah, his name means awed, awed by the goodness of God. Hananiah, I can imagine in Israel, this man, this, this guy, he probably always, all day was singing, you are good, good always. They're like, do you know another song? You know, he says, no, no, you, you don't get it. He is good, good always, because that's his name. God is good. I'm awed by the goodness of God. He gets to Babylon. His name is changed to fearful of God. Not fearing God, but fearful of God. The enemy gets in there and distorts his view of God. You think he's good? Well, actually, he's not as good as you think. You're going to be named fearful of God. Mishael, his name means confidence in God. Confidence in God. He probably walks around saying, I've seen you move. You've moved the mountains. And I believe, I believe you're going to do it again. Confident in his God. He gets to Babylon, they say, nice try, buddy. Your name is going to be ashamed and defeated. Meshach means ashamed and defeated, a man of confidence to shame. Finally, the man Azariah, whose name is God is my helper, and I'm done singing, so don't worry. Azariah, God is my helper. Yahweh is my helper. His name gets changed. Abednego just means slave of Nego, the foreign god. Slave of Nego. Man who ran to this source. He's not actually you're going to be a slave to this, to this mute, deaf God. As I said, this is interesting for you and I, not because it happened, but because it happens. Because I want to tell you this at the get-go, the enemy's strategy is to rename you. The enemy will always try to rename you. Let me explain it in a story form. Years ago, I arrived from Durban at the age of 21 to Cape Town. I'd come here to be a youth pastor, a church called Life Changes, and I was filled with zeal and excitement that I was good. God was going to use me, and I felt, uh, I felt called by God. I felt God had spoken that He was going to use me as a messenger to, to help and bring life to this community in Cape Town. And after a year of doing this and falling in love with the church and just being faithful and learning with insecurities at play, but just trying to learn who God had called me to be, a moment came where Wally, the guy who planted the church, called me into a meeting with a whole bunch of the other elders. And I said, often would sit in these meetings, and I'm not saying the story to badmouth anyone else. This is about me, this is on reflection on me and my response and the enemy's strategy. In this meeting, Wally said about a 22-year-old boy, whether it was wise or not in the moment, he said to these elders around, and I was sitting there quietly in the corner, guys, I want to bring Gabe onto eldership. You would have thought he had sweared, swore, sworn. To swear, he swears, she swears. Sorry, I'm just going to do my English grammar quickly. 
You, you, it was like a bomber gone off. The res- first response, now this is not an indicator on them, the moment there was other factors at play, but the first response that came out was one guy said, he's not qualified. And I thought, maybe I should step out of the room at this time. Maybe you should have this. And this discussion went around. My character was spoken of in this light. And just, there was other things at play. And I just sat there just hearing these words, zim, going past my hair. And actually, not just being heard here, it was going deep in my soul. And I walked out, I'll be honest, very angry, very frustrated, saying, you know, the first reaction, your, your gut reaction, how dare they? Who do they think they are? You, know, you moan. But for the next couple of weeks, as this word unqualified sat on me, the enemy got in. And started to go, actually, maybe they're right. You're 22. What life experience do you have? <laughs> Nothing. You've never been to Bible college. What are you going to tell these people? What have you got to say? You're not married. You've got no kids. You're just a, 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 a snot-nosed 22-year-old. What are you going to do? You're unqualified. And the enemy starts bringing up, actually, you've just recently, only a few years back, you overcame an addiction of pornography. Uh, how do you think you're going to be able to minister that from this space? You've got weaknesses, bro. You, you, the enemy says, bro, just to let you know. Um, and, and the enemy just spoke and spoke and spoke. And this word unqualified started to settle deeper in and deeper in. So much to the sense that about after two or three weeks of this thing, I said nothing. I'd be fuming and from being angry to being self-loathing, just these two responses. I phoned my dad and said, Dad, I'm done. I'm coming home. I can't do this. You know what? I, I don't think if, if, you know what? If they don't want me if they are, I don't need to be here. I don't need them. I came to serve and now they're making a big deal of it. I don't want to, I want to come home. I'm so grateful that God has put me in a community of faith, which includes my dad and other people in this community who speak at different moments. The Word of God, that's why it's good not to do life alone. But I phoned my dad, this is my, what happened, Dad, and my dad, who was quiet in that moment, just said one, uh, one phrase. He said, Gab, who, who called you to Cape Town? And I, I knew the answer to it, and I didn't want to say it. I, and I, I, after a little bit, took a breath and said, God called me, Dad. Because I knew where he was going with this line of question. He said, well, if God's called you, then who are you to walk away from where he's called you to be, despite what's happening around you? And I remember it was, it was hard. Uh, everything inside of me wanted to abandon this moment. I'm done. And also the enemy also saying, if he can't abandon, let him just assimilate. Let me just sit under this unqualified and mope around for ages. But actually something God's spoken to me, actually there's a different response. Because you have been called something else. I, I, as I prepped and I reminded myself of that story, I believe this morning that there are going to be people here in this room that actually the enemy has been whispering unqualified in your ear for a long time. In your marriage. You say, I've tried hard, Gabe. I've tried hard. Uh, one guy told me that a few weeks back, I've, I've tried hard. I can't do it any longer. I, I, I'm not, I've tried, but I'm unqualified for this. Unqualified. I'm out. Unqualified in your parenting. Unqualified in your business because you've done one too many shady deals. And, and guys look at you swiftly and say, I want to make a difference, but I'm unqualified. So I'm not, I'm not going to speak. I'm, I'm not going to say anything. Unqualified in your following of Christ because you said I've fallen one too many times. I've made too many promises. I'm unqualified. The enemy's got in and said unqualified. I believe the word of God is coming this morning to set you free. Because <coughs> the enemy will name you by your past. The enemy will name you by what you've done and what you haven't done. He'll bring it up again and again and say this is who you are. When Jesus, on the other hand, he names us by our future and what he has done. The enemy names us from where we've been. Jesus names us by where we're going. You seem like you don't believe me. All right, we're going to have to prove it. This, the, the Bible is littered with this happiness example. There's a man named Abram in the Bible. He's 75 years old. He's married to a lady, Sarai. They, it's found in the book of Genesis. They, um, they're 75 with no kids. An angel of the Lord appears to him and says, Abram, from today, 
I'm changing your name. You're going to become Abraham, which means father of many nations. And Abraham, I can imagine if he had this dialogue with God, we've gone, God, are you doing that sarcastic thing where you call a fat guy tiny? Is that what you're doing here? Like, because I don't look around. There's no kids. This is a tough one. But he has the reality, father of many nations. From the time of getting the word, he was 75. The time he had the baby, the first child, he was 100. 25 years went by from the naming to the fruit of it. He has the understanding. 25 years is a long time to wait. 25 years. Let me help you understand. 25 years was 1992. I was four years old and my wife was two years old. There was nothing going on with, between us then, I promise. It just would have been weird. In 1992, most of you were thinking Milli Vanilli were the real deal. Some of you don't even know. You weren't even alive then. In 1992, some of us thought that Macaulay Culkin was actually a good-looking kid. 92 is a long time to go. 25 years pass of being nameless. Can you imagine Abram pitching up at Bryce and with his cooler box of drinks and then his chips and his lays on the other hand? And the guy goes, hey, what's your name, bud? He goes, I'm father of many nations. And the guy goes, so did you leave your kids at home or is there a babysitter? He had to go walk with that name because he had been called by God, but the culture going, but show us the fruit, show us the evidence. The enemy wants to name us and say by what you've done or what you haven't done. Have you attained to that name? But God says, no, no, I call you by your future. You want one more? All right, there we go. You've twisted my arm. In the New Testament, there's a character named Peter. And in Matthew 16, there's this incredible exchange where Jesus, Peter gets this revelation of who Jesus is. And in response to this, Jesus says, Peter, Simon Peter, today I'm renaming you. Your name is Cephas. You are Peter, the rock, the original Dwayne Johnson. You are the rock. And as he says this, he says, you are the rock. I can imagine the rest of the buddies, the group going, that is the worst name for this dude. He is the most emotionally unstable flying off the handle type of dude. He just gets angry at the drop of a hat and he just, you're calling him the rock? What is this? Even Judas is better than this dude. And, and you see what happens is, Peter, the, the problem is even three verses down. If you read down from when Jesus says the rock, three verses down, Peter's already stuffed it up and Jesus is saying, Satan, get behind me. You know you've had a tough day when you're called Satan there. So it's not even his worst day. Peter's that sort of guy. A, a few chapters later, Peter denies Jesus three times. One translation says he denies him with an eye shot of Jesus. Jesus can see him. He says, I don't know that guy. Most of Christendom would call that the unforgivable sin. Apparently not to Jesus. Jesus says, because I, who I have named, who I have laid claim of, I do not let go of. Here's the thing. Years later, even in the book of Acts, Peter starts to make some false starts. He gets called out as an overt racist. Paul says, Peter, you're a racist. Stop sitting with those those. Peter, the rock. I'm like, that's not a good name for this dude. But if I had time, we'd open up one and two Peter, how God used the rock to start to bring in the moment of chaos and crisis across the church when, when persecution was breaking out. Peter, the rock stood up and brought calm and stability and, and, and understanding to a church in chaos. God molded the rock into who he was becoming because God names you not by your past, but who you're becoming. Let me tell you this, that God has seen, Jesus has seen your worst. Do you know how refreshing it is for me to tell you that and to tell my own soul this? Jesus knows you at your worst. He knows the most vile thoughts that have gone through your mind. He knows the most wicked things you've said in secret and dark you thought no one saw. He knows it already. And he still calls you son, daughter, the righteousness of God. 
He still calls you beloved. He still calls you more than conqueror. You are called. But here's the understanding. It's not because you are awesome or because you've got a great track record or you've made some really good promises. No, no. He calls you because he knows his son has died for you and the son has given something we call imputed righteousness. Jesus has given you on the cross. He died. He took your old name, your old nature, and he says, I'm giving you a new name, new nature. It's my righteousness. The imputed righteousness of Jesus. There's no other way that you and I can have ability to relate to God. But the gift that is not earned, give, freely given by Jesus towards us. And it's this understanding that I want to tell you this morning and tell my own wicked soul is that I need to become more consumed with my calling and who Jesus has called me to be than my sin. You need to become more consumed with your calling than your sin. Why? Because Jesus is more consumed with your calling than your sin. He's died for your sin. He's paid for it. And he's now calling you a new name. Son, daughter, not unqualified, righteousness of God. So number one, if we want to say no instead of going with the flow, we have to know that we are called because the enemy will try to rename us. But we have to understand work from a different identity. Secondly, this morning from this text is not only we have to know that we are called, but we are empowered. Here's the understanding in this moment is that this is not some light, fluffy, hyped you up preaching to say that, hey, but just believe it and it'll become like the secret, some version of the secret. Send out positive thoughts and it'll come back to you. No, I'm not saying that. Where there's no substance. I want to tell you this understanding (coughs) is that we haven't been sent out like, you've got a good new, you've got a new name, you're my son. Cheers, I'll see you at the end of your life. Good luck. No, no, that's not how Jesus operates. We're not sent out to, to the wolves to die there or in chaos. We're not powerless to temptation. We're not like, yes, I'm a son, but I'm powerless to temptation like many of us live. I want to tell you there's a story. Years ago, I played cricket with my brothers in the back garden of a house, and I was the youngest of three. So whenever one brother would bowl a bouncer in anger and it would go over the fence, the wooden rickety fence into the neighbor's yard, it was my job to go fetch it. Just it was part of the contract. I don't know. Youngest brother goes. And what, what it'll do, I'll climb over and we'll see the ball lying, just glimmering on the, on the grass next to the pool of the neighbors. Now, this seems like an easy thing to do, but I knew I was being sent to the wolves to die, literally to the wolves almost, because they had two Rottweilers. One named Sheba. I still wake up screaming sometimes. And, uh, and it all seemed calm and quiet. So my brothers are egging me, go get it, go get it. And they're pushing me over. I'm like, wait, shh, quiet. And I'll climb over and I'll tiptoe across the, the lawn, pick up the tennis ball, and my brothers as... They, the most kind, affirming, sadistic brother they are. As soon as I picked up the ball, they started whacking the fence and going, Shiva, seek him, Shiva. And it was like whispering death. You could hear, woof, around the thing. And if you didn't know that white men can jump, I can tell you, I scaled that fence with, with incredible accuracy. I want to tell you, Jesus has not sent us out like that. Go, and good luck. And then the temptation, he knows the temptation is going to come and take us down again and again, and we'll get there beaten and bruised and limping. <gasps> no, no. He's empowered us with his Holy Spirit. He's given us his righteousness. We have to understand he's imputed his nature towards us, but then given us his Holy Spirit inside of us that allows us to walk out this new name. You've been called a new name, son, and he's given you a spirit of God, his spirit, that allows us to walk like a son. One preacher said it this way. Well, before I get there, let me, let me tell you that understanding this. In this culture, Daniel, in this story here, 
the, the, the food was coming and it was being sacrificed to idols. Daniel, can imagine the stress coming, guys. Oh, meals time's coming. What are we going to do? What are we going to do? We can either abandon it. I can write a really strongly worded Facebook status to tell the king that I am an Israelite and I do not do this. Hashtag cannot do this anymore. And then just put up some angry meme faces. Uh, and, and just like, you know, tell, I need to make a stand and abandon all the w- w- evil of this nation. Or he could have assimilated and said, boys, you know what? What's just a meal? Let's just child a meal. And if we just, after a while, we'll eat it. Just food. I know it's been sacrificed to idols, but, you know, just food. And then maybe one day we'll get you say grace of the meal. And we can drop the name of Jesus in there. God bless. Amen. I preached the gospel. You know, they had these two options. But Daniel responded with a different option, with confidence, knowing he'd been called, knowing who he was, Daniel. He'd been called, but he also empowered, not just to a, a name, but the, to walk in that name. He said, he actually approached the guy there and said, listen, I've got a d- different thing. Can I, would you mind? He asked with, with humility, but in this, in this, with, a, with authority in this moment, knowing he'd been empowered, been given favor with this guy, the chief of staff, and said, let's eat this, a different diet. And, and watch what God will do. When we start to operate in our name and, our, and, our, and our being empowered by the Spirit, God starts to open doors that no man can open. <coughs> One preacher, as I said, said it this way. I said, the phone is ringing, but we don't have to answer it. What do I mean by that? The phone is ringing, but you don't have to answer it. Can I tell you? The phone, because we're here in exile, the phone is ringing. The, 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 the phone of lust is ringing. The phone of lust is ringing, but you're not empowered by the Spirit of God. You don't have to answer it. You don't have to because you've been empowered. The phone of anger is ringing, but you don't have to answer it. The phone of greed is ringing. You don't have to answer it. The phone of depression is ringing, saying, respond to the situation. You don't have to answer it because you've been empowered to walk in your new name. This is understanding the imputed righteousness and the empowering of the Holy Spirit in our story. The scripture says this way in Romans, you're no longer a slave to sin. We say again, you are no longer a slave to sin. You've been given the empowering of the Holy Spirit to walk in your new name. Jesus will not ask you to do what he has not empowered you to do. You're not powerless. You're not a rag doll in the mouth of the enemy. You've been called a name and Jesus has empowered you. He says, I've called you the righteousness of God. And I know there's a journey and there's a community aspect of gathering and, being, and being, becoming more and more like him. But actually he's empowered us to walk in that nature of being the righteousness of God. The phone is ringing. I don't have to answer. <coughs> Let me land with a story. Probably brings this thing to light in this, in this way. Uh, my, he hasn't paid me to say this. My good friend Mark Van Pletzen promise you. It's a good story about him. I don't tell many, but let me tell one. Mark Van Petsen, who's the, the pastor there at Tableview, years ago before he was in full-time ministry, he worked for a company called Unilever. He was a junior employee, but he had got amazing favor in the company, and, and a massive national account landed on his desk for an OLA campaign across the nation. And Mark was, at the same time, was a man who was uh, discovering that he was called of God. He was, an, uh, he was called by God, and God had called him son, righteousness of God. But also God had empowered him to, to walk and live in this realm. God is, uh, didn't come to call him and say, you must abandon, leave this thing. He called him to have influence in this job that he'd been put in. But the problem with this favor that had come, the national campaign for the, the advertising marketing campaign for this OLA campaign was highly sexualized highly sexualized. So Mark's job was, was going to be around, to go around the country, going to lingerie shoots and, and all these different things and moments, and then actually giving his thumbs up to this highly sexualized product. And something inside him just said, I, I, can't, I can't do this. 
But he, now he had two responses. I can abandon it, tell him, actually, no, thank you, I'm out, because the Word of God says. And the boss would have just said, okay, cool, thanks, buddy, back to your desk, I need somebody else. He could have assimilated and said, just go on with it. You know what? I'm just going to go to those things, but I keep my eyes down. No, I'm just, I will like, put my name really small at the bottom so no one knows I'm with it. And, you know, just keep, keep close. You know, just going to, or he could say, actually, I'm going to trust God that God's placed me here, not just to survive, but to thrive and have an influence and not just to endure, but affect the culture. So he says, God, I need you empowering in this moment. You've called me to stand here. I need you empowering. And God came through for him in a, in, in a simple way. And, and Mark went up with it, actually met with the boss and said, actually, I've got an idea. A different campaign. It's going to cost us some money because we changed the, the briefing. But I've got a campaign that I really believe will make us double the profits that we're going to get now. And he got favor. Just like Daniel got favor with the chief of staff in a foreign land and a place that's not his natural environment to thrive. And the lady said, okay, we're going we're gonna to give it a go. They gave it a go. They outrolled this campaign. That campaign, that product broke even for the first time in its history that year. The next year it made its profit for the first time. I'm not telling that story to boast about a man who was clever enough, but I want to tell you that this is not something that happened, but it's something that happens. That God has put us in unique situations. God has put us in marriages and families and jobs and environments to not just endure, but to influence. And the way we're going to do that is not by with clever strategies or being really, really uh, unique or spiritual. It's actually to understand that we've been called and that we've been empowered. When we understand that, it's, it's going to become easier to say no when it'll be easier to go with the flow. <coughs> Can I call Lee or the, someone else? Oni, why don't you jump on the keys very quickly? This morning, I, I want to pray for people as we land. Just before we go have coffee together. I believe this is going to be a great series. It's going to, God's going to do things. I encourage you to go read. But I, I'd love to ask you to close your eyes in this moment. I want to pray. As I was preparing, I really felt strongly that maybe you're here today and your marriage has gotten so tough and you just want to bolt. You're sitting here today and saying, this is tough, or my kids are so tough, I just want to kick out, whether it's physically or just emotionally, I want to just kick out. You're saying, I can't do it anymore. I want to speak truth into your heart saying, yes, you can. You've been called and you're empowered in that space. Not because you're awesome or because you've got a great track record. I don't even know what you've done before, but I want to tell you that God says, let me tell you where you're going. And he speaks truth into the moment. Maybe you're here and that you're saying, Gabe, that <coughs> the temptation has been beating me up. And you're saying, I can't beat this thing. I've tried, I've tried, I've tried, but I can't beat this addiction. And I want to tell you that was my story. For years in my teenage years, again and again, I believed the lie that I was just one of the statistics that was addicted to internet pornography. And I tried and I could not get out of the cycle because I believed that's who I was. I want to tell you today, sir, ma'am, you are not an addict. You're not a victim to your circumstances. You're not a, 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 a reject. You're not somebody who's been thrown on the trash heap. You're not somebody who just goes to and fro because your desires are too strong. No, you're a son and a daughter of God. So much so, you're the righteousness of God. Yes, you can. You've been called and you're empowered. Maybe you sing it today and you say, Gabe, I hate my work environment. I hate it. I want to get out. I can't make a difference. Maybe it's because you've been involved in shady de deals or you've spoke, you've joined in with the, co the, cooler, uh, the water cooler talk of trashing the boss and you, and you, you say, actually, I can't make a difference. Or, or you just say, I don't want to make a difference. I want to tell you, yes, you can because you've been called. 
God knows the exact times and places that you should live so that men would reach out and find Jesus. God has placed you there and he's called you by name and he says, I'm empowering you in that space. I really believe in all these things. God, there's been moments that people, things have been popping up where the enemy has said unqualified, unqualified, unqualified as a dad, a husband, a worker, a son, a, a follower of Christ, unqualified as a leader, unqualified for the future you believe that you've got, but you've said unqualified. I believe God today wants to smash that word and bring freedom and truth into your life as you believe I am called and I am empowered and a new day needs to begin. If that's you here today, I'm going to ask you to do a bold thing. I would love you just to stand as a physical response so I can pray for you. I'm going to ask you to stand in one, two, three. Please stand and then I want to just pray. I think there are a few people who need to just respond. We preach the word not to stir up emotions, but to ignite our faith. And when faith and the word meet, God does incredible things. Father, I thank you. As we stand, as we respond, open our hearts. There was a moment years ago. 2,000 or so years ago when Jesus, you were walking up that hill, carrying the weight of the sin and shame of the world, the cross up to the hill of Golgotha, and you were walking up that hill, and the enemy's voice was, was being shouted out at you. As the enemy said, son of a carpenter, you're just a son of a carpenter. As the enemy shouted, you're, you're a, a bastard child, you're born out of wedlock. As the enemy shouted, you're, you're, you're just from Nazareth, the backwater town Nazareth. As the enemy shouted at Jesus saying, physician, heal yourself. As the enemy shouted sarcastically, king of the Jews, save yourself. Everything inside of Jesus would have been the temptation to take the easy way out, but he refused to. He said no, so that you and I could be able to say yes to him. I thank you, Father, when Jesus died and rose again, he was given the name above every name. He was given, he was exalted to the highest place. And what Jesus now calls into being, let no man come against. God, you are faithful, even if we are faithless. I thank you in this moment, God, there's a renaming. You're renaming people where the word unqualified was shouted, where the word rejected was qualified, when the word was of, of, of offense, when the word of critical, when the word of fool, of failure, of divorced, of broken, of sinful was spoken. I thank you, word God, that word of unqualified is shattered in this moment. Is shattered and your word of affirmation. Son, daughter, righteousness of God, beloved. More than a conqueror. You're declaring this word and then your spirit is identifying with this truth to make them come alive to that. I thank you, Father God, that we're a people that will stand when everyone else is bolting, when everyone else is bowing. That we'll be able to say no when it's easy to go with the flow, not because we are great, but because we have a king who's great. And you have named us. And you're not a man that should lie. So Father, I pray this over us as a people that you're going to do a deep work in us today. And as we go forward for the next four weeks in this series, in Jesus' name I pray, amen, amen.